Have you tried Music to Code By yet? Well, why not? Here's a comment Joe left on the website. This is also great music to mow by. I like listening to music while doing yard work to help the monotony of it seem less tedious. This past summer, I started listening to these tracks while doing yard work, and they worked great! I could let the music play in the background without focusing on it, and it seemed to help me concentrate on getting through my tasks. Thanks, Joe. And you know, now you can download the entire 13-track collection. That's over five and a half hours of music to code by for only 39 bucks. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1409, with guests Brock Allen and Dominic Beyer. Recorded Wednesday, January 18th, 2017. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're in the fishbowl again. Yay for the fishbowl! Yeah, this, this time fourth year in London. London. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth year in London. So this is NDC, yes. which originally stood for the Norwegian the Developers, Developers Conference. Conference. Then we went to London. <laughs> and then they started saying it was the New Developers something Conference or like something that. like that. Or the it's, NIDO it's just NDC. Developers yeah. Conference. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's the NDC in London. Uh, so, uh, Dominic Beyer and Brock Allen are here. We're going to be talking with them in just a second. But, mm-hmm. first, but first, we've got something to do. It's called Better No Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? Uh, so this one came from, I think it was uh, Joel Hewlin, maybe one of the guys, and mm-hmm. the other guys. The happy next. Yeah. Uh, Scrapey Sharp. What's a Scrapey Sharp? Scrapey Sharp. S-C-R-A-P-Y Sharp. S-H-A-R-P. Scrapey Sharp. You guys know what this is? No? This is a screen scraping component in .NET. It's a C-sharp screen scraping library for just pulling data off of random websites or whatever. That sounds useful. Yeah. (laughs) How many times have you done it? I mean, I've written that before. You want to automate filling in a form to win something? Yeah. These are the tools you need. Logging in over SSL. Like, turns out there's a couple of little hacks that you need to have. That is actually really interesting. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Scrapey Sharp is a web client able to simulate a web browser. And it's an HTML agility pack extension to select elements using a CSS selector like jQuery. And it's, uh, you know, just install it with NuGet and rock and roll. I thought it was cool. That's very clever, man. I was glad. Dude, that is a good, like, better know a framework kind of fine. It is. Yeah. It is a pretty cool tool. Yeah, I love it. All right. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Grab a comment off of show 1384, the one we did back in December 2016 with Roland Gugit. Dutch name. Too many vowels. Okay. Uh uh, talking about ASP.NET Core, so certainly mm-hmm. security-centric. Lots of great comments there. And Joe Audette had this comment. Mm. And I don't think we've ever sent a mug to Joe before, but he's been a fan for a long time. Long I've time. Interacted with him email a bunch of times. I think we did a couple events where he yeah, was as well. Yeah. So with, I read this comment. I'm like, hey, that's Joe. Mm-hmm. 
Glad to be able to send him a mug. But Joe says, uh, you mentioned in the show the need to build administration around the management of users' roles, claims, role membership, user claim assignments, and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Something we talked about every time we talk about identity in one form or another. Uh, Joe's built a multi-tenant implementation of ASP.NET Core Identity Plus integration and management for Identity Server 4 APIs, clients, and scopes. Do you know about this? I do, yeah. Uh, oh, he has, okay. a, he has an open pull request. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has a pull request to you it's, guys. It's probably something wow. to me. I haven't looked at it yet. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Joe. That's I'll see, I'll, I, I thought I had a good comment. Turns out it's a really good comment. So the project's called CloudScribe, and it's on GitHub. And and Joe's the the principal contributor. Although there's a, there's a few other folks working on it, hmm. and it's for all that stuff we've talked about over and over again. So, Joe. Dude, thanks. Yeah. Awesome. I'll include a link in the show notes so people can get uh, more info on it. And uh, thanks for being awesome and listening to .NET Rocks. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. So send us a tweet. We sharpen our scrapers with him. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> see what I did there? Very, very punny. Very All funny. Right. Let me introduce you guys. Uh, Dominic Byer is an independent consultant specializing in identity and access control. He helps companies around the world designing and implementing authentication and authorization for their distributed web and native applications. Dom is the co-author of the popular OpenID Connect and OAuth 2.0 framework called Identity Server, which I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot more today. Uh, and you can find that at identityserver.io. He's written a couple of books, blogs at leastprivilege.com, and tweets at leastprivilege. Welcome, Dominic. And Brock Allen is an independent consultant specializing in .NET, web development, and web-based security with 20 years of industry experience. Brock is the co-author of many security-related open-source frameworks, including Identity Server, Identity Manager, and Membership Reboot. He also frequently posts to the ASP.NET forums, is an MVP for ASP.NET and IIS, a member of ASP Insiders, and a contributor to the ASP.NET platform. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Brock. Thank you. Yeah. And the uh, last time we were talking about Identity Server, I think we were talking about version 3, right? Which is current. I think the last time we talked about... That was, was it too? Exactly one year ago. Yeah, and it was yeah. London last year. Yeah, <laughs> and we just released like beta one of Identity Server 4. Right. Okay. So, you know that, that there was .NET Core and ASP.NET Core. There, there's a long oh, yeah. story going back. Yeah. yeah like a, well, a, a, a bit of trauma, a bit of they, happiness. <laughs> you know? Remember those things they called betas that were really alphas, those things? Yeah. yeah. These candidates that was really a beta. And right. Yeah, all of that drama. So... I guess one and a half years ago or so, the Microsoft, the ASP.NET team approached us and said, like, hey, listen, we're going to abandon all our token-related stuff yeah. in, in ASP.NET Core. We, we're just going to focus on the consumer side of things and not on the producer side of things anymore. Right, and right. Because we realized it's a very complex topic. We, we don't have a dedicated team for that. It, it's just, you know, it's not our core competence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a total specialty. Like, yes. You, you need a couple of people that that's what they focus on, you know, like you two. Yeah. 
So, you know, uh, up to this point, we thought, like, yeah, let's just wait until they release something. Right. And then we'll, you know, have a look. And they said, yeah, but, you know, wouldn't it be great if by the time we release something, you can shortly after that have something ready that oh, exactly fills that gap? And, you know, they talked us into it. It sounds really cool, <laughs> and it's really, really hard. Did they share enough information with you about well, uh, it, what Well, it's you all needed? on GitHub, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, so but so I mean, you're literally pulling down daily builds and and trying to implement we, we security. We try to it? avoid that, yeah, because we were talking to other people, like you know Nick Molnar from Klimt, yep. yeah, which they actually did that, like worked on the daily builds, sure, and he uh, said it, well, it was a complete nightmare. But Nick works <laughs> for Microsoft, <laughs> yes, right? yeah. he, sure, he had to, yeah, <laughs> it's his <laughs> we, job. You know, we had the luxury of not having to. <laughs> did they have enough stuff on GitHub that gave you um, an idea about what their vision was, what they wanted to be doing? I mean, at, that's at, really what at it, a certain point everything was happening on github yeah right but that didn't help from you know i mean even if it's happening on github somebody just writes an issue up that we change everything yeah starting tomorrow right <laughs> well it's and, um, and you're right features came and went build to build yeah. and, and uh beta this is where the whole complaint of this is not a beta it's an alpha came from right is from those what eight betas you saw fe features get created modified get removed mm. so yeah i mean there, there are a couple of i guess uh things to say about that yeah on one hand i can understand that they need to pull some push something out that looks a little bit more stable so that they can start people playing around with it to sure. get feedback if it's alpha maybe most of people say like ah i'm gonna stay away from that yeah mm -hmm. but on the other hand maybe they went a little bit overboard with calling it an rc too quickly yes yeah. and sometimes and that's a big my a complaint from my side is their release schedule just coincides with Scott Goose's speaking schedule. Yes, um, they should release when they're ready and not when they have an event. Yeah, yeah there, there's a, um, there, there may be a certain amount of politics to that. And and I would also say, this was their first time. I mean, they, it was a rewrite of the product. They were doing it in a very different style. And I think they were trying to figure out what's the right amount of openness, what's the right kind of conversation. Like we know these guys; they're good people. Oh yeah, absolutely. They were dealing with a hard problem. And uh, and it, it it didn't go smoothly. So how did that affect you guys? I mean, what happened with the uh, identity server? Did you have to do several rewrites, or or I mean, you know, refactorings? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, I think three months before the last NDC, they said, okay, we're gonna have RC one or something like that in January. Right. So can you do that? <laughs> and I looked at my calendar. I said, okay, that that's. There goes my Christmas That's holidays. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And we we did it. Yeah, we we released on on the first day of NDC. We we did a you know big release of of the the beta that works together with their RC. Right. Mm. We did the show with you. Yes. Mm. And I think six hours later on the same day, Damien Edwards and Dave Fowler got got on stage and said, "It's all gone." Yeah. <laughs> RC two will be a totally different creature. Will yeah. be a rewrite more yeah. or less, or at least of the. The, the yeah. lower level bits. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How'd yeah. that go over with your family? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> Just as much as they didn't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. But that's the trend, though, right? I mean, even Angular was doing it, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and uh, to, you know, we have to admit, we actually kind of did that a little bit at the end as well. We put out something called NARC, and then we, 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 f we changed some big stuff kind of near the end as well. It's kind of the curse of Agile, isn't it? You know, if you want to be flexible, that means all hands on deck right now. And that's the whole thing. Is you got a bunch of feedback that made you change your course. Yeah. 
Like in, yeah. in theory, and this is the same thing that happened with the ASP.NET team. It was the feedback that caused that breaking chain. Yeah, I wrote a blog post when we did the biggest change. It was in RC4, or maybe or something. And I said, <laughs> yeah, we, we had our DNX moment. Yeah. <laughs> like we realized if we don't change it now, we cannot change it anymore. Right. Yeah. And better we, we do it now where only the early adopters are using yeah. it, where later where you know, people are really like putting it into production. Yeah, we so, only want to punish our biggest fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, we, we, I just thought let's use the the redefined RC model, right? Which is the, the thing that Microsoft introduced. Yeah, that yeah. We, we can guarantee breaking changes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sick way to look at it, Tom, man. But it, so I also would say I would wonder if you think is this just a ripple effect of how big the changes of ASP core was. It's not that you really rethought identity, it's that your lowest level foundation was shifting under you too. I think it's also related to that Microsoft did a whole reorganization of their .NET yes. business. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the the whole cross-platform thing came from the ASP.NET team. Yeah. And I can just imagine that one day at the water cooler, an ASP.NET guy told the .NET guy, "said Hey, we are doing cross-platform." And the .NET guy says, "What are you You're doing? doing what?" <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly they started reorganizing the teams and yeah. uh, promoted Scott Hunter to be overseeing both yes. areas. And yeah. And obviously this led to that it, 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 it actually didn't make sense that the ASP.NET team is delivering the framework, right. the, the, the .NET framework. It, it makes sense that the .NET, .NET team is doing that. Right. And, sure. And yeah, that was just happening. And it, it, it would have been just, it was, as I said, a bit unfortunate that they released RC1 just before they made these big changes. Yes. So, yeah. so it was really tough, obviously, to get through all that. But having gone through it, do you think that they made the right choices in the end. In other words, did you end up with what they should have done all along? A better product. I would say yes. So, I mean, ASP.NET Core is definitely an improvement over ASP.NET. Yeah. Um, op sure, that you can always complain about things, right? Yeah. And there are lots of people on GitHub which complain about one or the other thing. But in, in the grand scheme, it's definitely a better product now. And, 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 and I would argue Identity Server 4 is the best STS we ever wrote. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because now we are on a, on a platform that allows us to leverage a couple of things without having to reinvent our own. And, you know, right. it, 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 I, I would argue that's the best version of Identity Server that we have written so far. And I hope, hopefully, the last one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm betting no. Because <laughs> Core is still pretty young, too, right? Like, yep. I don't feel like. Like we're old enough. We've done this. It's, by the way, .NET's 15 years old, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. The great version of .NET was 2.0, which was actually the third version because, you know. That's right. I don't think we've had that with Core yet. I'm impressed with Core, and it's awesome, but I don't think we've hit the rev where you're like, holy man, this is amazing. Like, this is the one. We're still gathering bits. Yeah, there's still missing features. Sure. And, mm -hmm. and, that, and there are a few things we're still waiting for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe a 2.0 will be the... Will be the one. Maybe it will again. <laughs> yeah. but, it, it is. Know. It is totally history repeating. Yeah, that is it? they did one point zero. Shortly after that, .NET Core one point one. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and they needed to fix, you know, the typical one dot bugs, yep. and and not very soon in the future, uh, far in the future, there will be a two point zero, which will probably be getting it right. Yeah, yeah altogether. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, the interesting truth. Yes. So what did you end up with in terms of uh, features that were different or new or enabled because of what uh, Core brings to the table? 
Yeah, so some of the things in, in Identity Server 3 that was Katana-based, um, uh, Katana didn't have uh, built-in dependency injection, for example. Mm. And so that was actually probably one of the biggest things that was um, you know, great about on being on top of the uh, ASP.NET Core's platform because they built that in. Uh, and so we actually removed code mm. uh, when we ported a lot it over. of code. Yeah, nice. when we when we ported <laughs> over to Identity Server four. So the the subtractive coding model is sometimes better yeah. than the additive uh, coding model. Agreed. So um, dependency injection is a nice thing. Um, that's basically one of the big, biggest ones. Um, dependency would, injection I would, I would, in core. Yeah, well, yeah, we relied heavily on on dependency injection, but mm-hmm. since Katana didn't have that. We had to come up with our own tricky way of, of, of building it into. Hence um, why you removed all that code. Yeah, yes. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, other, mean, the other huge one, I would argue, is that they now have uh, an MVC version that can run outside of IIS. Right. Wow. Because our design goal was for Identity Server, it, 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 doesn't, it, it must not have an IIS dependency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But by the time, there was no UI framework for us to use that was tied to IS, so we had to invent our own. Right. And that is another huge chunk of code that we got just rid of. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah. Good. I, that's good news. But it, and you're right, Kestrel and all of that, like getting ASP.NET away from IIS was a, a big effort on their part. And I think they're better for it. Absolutely, smoking little web browser mm. server. Like, whoa. Yeah. Also, you know, we, we have many customers that host that stuff in, in NT services. Yep. So they can't force their customers to install IIS. No. They just want to have an installer. It installs an anti-service, and that's all you need. Well, uh, it's you know installing IIS because you want to provide one service. Like, oh, you need to carry some grocery to the store. Here's a dump truck. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff <laughs> that you don't need on. Yeah. Logging is the other big one, I think. Yeah. Logging is now built in in ASP.NET Core. Mm-hmm. So again, we we didn't have to come up with our own. Yeah. Um, and and what do you think of it? I mean, is it adequate? Is it good enough? I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, time will tell. But for now, again, it's 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 all it's a huge improvement of what yeah. we have. and and I think yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, but on yeah. the other hand, though, I mean, by them providing things and saying the platform has logging, the platform has DI, then it's sort of the lowest common denominator because right. if you want to pick a DI a different DI sure. container you know, you can't necessarily rely upon it as a library developer. Sure. Right? Because you don't know... So they didn't use an adapter pattern or anything? You can't swap them out? You can. <sighs> but let's say you're writing a library and then you can't make the assumption that a, that a specific yeah. DI container is being used by your clients, right? right? Yeah, you can. So but you, if you, they have you, common you, interfaces, Yeah, though, they do. But obviously people argue that by, you know, having this common interface, you are kind of hindering innovation I see. in that space because... Sure. Everybody will just stick to the least common denominator. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So, it, but that's pr- typically mostly a library developer problem. Yeah. If you are an application developer and you write your own application, it's totally up to you which DI container you want to use. Yeah. Right. You don't have to use Microsoft. And, and but you just expect that all the libraries are going to be able to deal with that. Well, if libraries stick to the to the common denominator they, interface, they, then they, mm. they don't care. Then it does work. You know? Yeah. Because there is a sort of, I feel like, especially in the web development world, there's a movement towards a more opinionated style. You know, that you know, we, we expect these things. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it makes it easy for somebody to get started yeah. and just use the defaults. At, at the, at, at, in exchange for a limitation of flexibility. Yeah. So I think it's very challenging to, to offer all the flexibility and a dirt simple way to get started. Yeah. So, so um, what? How's the performance? Uh, I mean, obviously, ASP.NET Core performance is great. Have you seen a remarkable difference in 
in uh, identity server performance? Well, uh, to be honest, the performance is not so great. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, you have to qualify that statement. Yeah, yeah, please, um, please tell us. Um, so Scott Allen recently did a blog post, for example, where he compared the performance of the various versions of ASP.NET with the various hosting models. Right. Mm. And um, one side effect of how they do ASP.NET Core is now that they host they, they host the application out of process from the web server. Right. right? So they, they want to get rid of the fact that IIS needs to load the common language runtime mm. and all these complicated things. Yeah, so when you're now setting up IIS, you're basically just setting up an application pool and it says no managed code. Okay, so mm. what they are under the covers doing is they're loading one ma uh, one unmanaged module that proxies the traffic to a different process where Kestrel is sitting, right. taking the traffic, running your application, and sending the traffic back to IIS. Mm -hmm. And this bridge between the two is not as performant as it could be right now. I see. So they, they, yeah, they, they go big with news. Yeah, Kestrel has five whatever million mm. requests per second, but only if you talk to it directly. Yeah. And uh. if you have the proxy in front of that, then it gets slower. I'm, and I'm not saying it is too slow. Yeah. I'm just saying the, you have to put that into perspective. Sure. And on other platforms, I heard, I, I have no experience with that really. Like with Nginx, for example, they have a more efficient way how they, they forward the traffic between the front end and the back end process, for example. So well, I, that's work in progress. Their I think. process communications has never been really fast in Windows. Um, yeah. And you, you're trading secure reliability yeah. for performance. Yeah. Right? Keeping that thing out of process means if it dies, the, cert, the, the, the host doesn't die. Mm. Right. Well, and also Kestrel's not yet fully uh, uh, approved to run on the public internet. Right. right. They haven't done all the security vetting yeah. and all that. They're not but there yet. I think they're working on that. Though. But uh, the Linux version of ASP.NET Core, though, runs uh, a lot faster, doesn't it? I mean, so that's where I, the price numbers they I were talking about. I think Scott compared the same just with the Nginx and Casper combination and saw that it's faster because mm. there's a more efficient handoff yeah. mechanism between them. But uh, what, what I heard is that the ASP.NET team is now looking at more efficient inter-process mechanisms yeah. to make that better. Um, there's actually another server that people don't often talk about. It's called WebListener. So it's the modern version of t talking directly to the, to the kernel HTTP listener in Windows. So if you don't care about cross-platform and you're building a Windows-based system, mm. you can use that. And that is, yeah. that is very fast. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, um, saying it's slow is wrong because it's not slower than other application environments. And like Node.js, for example. It, sure. It, yeah. it just, you have to know that using different techniques, there are trade-offs now. Right. Well, and... and Performance tuning is its own skill too, right? First, you build for maintainability, reliability. You know, then you look at what kind of performance you actually want to get and what you need. I would, I as a guy who's done a ton of performance tuning, it's like I generally don't leave with performance tuning. That's not, you know, fast but wrong isn't particularly valuable. Right, right is the most valuable thing, yeah. and after that, we talk about where the priorities lie. The biggest performance hit we are seeing right now is on the first request still. Right. When they, ha when they have to compile <laughs> the razor views. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I think they're, they're, they're and, and I think they're working on a, a pre-compiler pre for right. that. Yeah. Which, which, which I think is, isn't released yet, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. No? Yeah. So, but that, that's a, and you know, Identity Server just has a couple of pages. Yeah. So I can only imagine if you're having a big application that this is a huge hit. Yeah. The yeah. startup of all of that. But 
you know, I you 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 trigger memories in me going back as far as like in ASP where we literally had on boot up, you ran this script that hit all these pages to do that instantiation, get the stuff loaded into memory so that you didn't punish the first user with that. Yeah. Right? It, it, we'll get there. Those, yeah. those are those are startup problems. And I've, I'll trade a startup problem for a, continuous, a continuously running problem any day of the week. You know, that That is the challenge. I feel like we just sort of dive, we dove straight into this, like where identity service so forth is living. But we have talked about this a number of times. The, the, yeah. the core concept of the product is is pretty consistent, right? You are dealing with authentication and authorization. Do people often think that uh, identity server does the uh, authentication part um, of your of your app? In other words, you know, the Google login, the Facebook login, the OAuth part. Well, you can do that there. So identity server is primarily something you use to have single sign-on to the rest of your applications. Right. And if you have web APIs, you want token-based authentication to those APIs. Yeah. Uh, it's not a permission server. That's right. So that's the, that's the, that's the most common confusion point. The authorization. Yeah. yeah. So it's not so much that. It's, it's the authentication feature. Uh, and then from identity server, that's the whole point of it. It's flexible. Uh, you can tailor it for your needs. You can plug in a custom database of users, or you can do the Google logins from right. Identity Server. So whatever your requirements are, Identity Server is pretty darn good at handling them. So we've seen basically the, the, that companies are struggling with, obviously, that all the authentication scenarios get much more complex. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you know, if you look at, for example, ASP.NET Core, they make it really, really easy to put a Google login directly into your application. Right? So then, but... That's only like the, the demo mode. Yeah. Right. It's only easy in demo mode on stage. It's always <laughs> easy in demo mode. Yeah, because when you do it for real, you realize that the, the real problems are not the Google protocol because that's yeah. now encapsulated. But the problems start when the user is coming back. Is this a new user? Is this a, someone I know? Do I need to provision him? Do I need to onboard him in a special way? Is he allowed in my application? You know, all, yeah. all, all that account linking logic and all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah, for example, if you if you go and sign up on a website with your name and email address, right? If it's a Gmail account, the next time you could log in with your Gmail account. But right. but that's not how you signed up, but even even though you you have to figure out, oh, sure, yeah. it's actually yeah, same guy. the same guy. Yeah, and you don't want to write that code 5 times right. in 5 different apps. Right. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So that, that's actually my point, yeah. So people start writing that once. And then they write the second application and they realize, oh, I have to copy all that code now because that, yeah. that other application wants the same feature set. Right. And that the pattern we are promoting is basically you should only write that code once, put it into a dedicated application that only just does that. It, it has yeah. a login page. It has your login with Google buttons and all that. And you put all your, your security smarts into that single application. Mm. And then identity server is basically just a middleware you can drop in that adds the protocol heads in front of your login page, if you will. Yeah. Right. Right. And then people can talk to it from various applications using standard protocols. It yeah. works cross-platform and all that. It's awfully flexible. Uh, I saw your, your talk uh, on it and uh, just, I like as a developer who's a control freak, I like that level of control that you give us. Yeah. It's that's, not a black box. Yeah. That's the, again, that's the design. It's all about flexibility. Yeah. Well, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, must be that happy time again. You know it. It's time for a riddle. Oh. And all you guys can chime in. So, a man comes to a costume party in a normal-looking outfit. 
normal clothes, yet he had plastered himself in name tags. You know, hello, my name is Carl, my name is Richard, whatever. And each tag had a different name. What did he go to the party as? I don't know. What did he go as? Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's an identity complex. Yeah, you, you dug that one up for us. Didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Okay. That's my job. It's actually time to give away a D Experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with Dev Express UI controls and libraries, and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today, and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Daniel Koberstein. Congratulations, Daniel. Yes. I'll clap for you, sir. Daniel just won the D Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from Dev Express. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member. But you got to sign up to win. Okay, guys, it's your turn. Brock, what would you buy with $5,000. I'll tell you what I did buy, which is the thing that I've said every time on the show, which I said uh, at some point I was going to try to buy a Mac. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I did. Oh, okay. no. Yes, I did. What did you get? Uh, I got the uh, the 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro. The Pro, okay. Yeah. okay. With the yeah. funny finger thingy? No, they don't not, the, do a touch not the new one. So All this right. was about uh, eight or nine months ago. Did it come with a black and, turtleneck and a latte? That's uh, the <laughs> That's the guy who delivered it. Oh. Right. Okay. Yes. Um... And, you know, I was really looking forward to this thing. And, you know, I talked about it on the show. And Dominic was just like, it, everything just works. So mm. so I got it. And Do you well, love it? Uh, I don't have it anymore because I didn't love it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So I discovered I'm not a, not quite the Mac person. So. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, you, it was an experience. Were I'm you glad. running Windows on it or Mac yeah, OS yeah, or both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was running uh, Windows in a VM. Boot camp. Uh, yeah. And I was finding that most of my time I was in the VM. Yeah, right. Uh, didn't quite work out for me. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's fine. Okay. Uh, it's a battle. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how often I had to listen to that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you told me I should buy this. Yeah. Yeah. I blame you. <laughs> Dom, what would you buy with five? Uh, I never got around buying my really expensive Leica camera. I, I talked about it oh, in yeah, a yeah. recent show. But yeah, yeah. And I would also argue, you know, we're offering you the five grand so that you'll buy something you probably wouldn't buy on your own, right? <laughs> right, like, right. It's an indulgence. So... Uh, for a couple of years, I used to own uh, um, uh, a medium-sized Kamado Krill. Oh, yes? Big um, Green Egg? N- or the other? No. One of the other ones? <laughs> the Smoked Joe? Um, it, it, it was a no-name thing. I, right. I, I, I was just interested in, in this technique, and I bought like the cheapest one I got, just right. to see, like, do I like that or not? And I do, actually. Yes, <laughs> me too. So, and uh, this this. Christmas, I very for the very first time I hit the limit of what I can put in there. Like oh, the, the okay. turkey was too big, and, uh, <laughs> and you okay, a turkey uh, in Germany. I didn't know you guys did that. Yeah, we do. Okay, so I said, okay, 
for the next summer, I'm going to buy a big green egg. You're ready. And I want to okay. have the fancy table with it. Yeah. And, you know, the, and, and I would recommend the large over the extra large. Yes. I cooked for a while on the extra large. It's, That's too big. It's big, but it's also very, un, it's much more uneven heat. Right. And mm. that's the whole thing I like about that egg is super consistent heat on it. So wow. yeah, the large so, seems to be, and that's the 18 inch grill. It seems to be the best one they make of the bunch. Mm. But yeah, that, that, that's the big stainless steel table, the nice table. No, 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 nice. the, the, um, uh, the, um, the teak one. The teak one. You want the teak one? Ah. <laughs> I got the stainless steel one because I need to move mine around. And then mm. I replaced the caster, the inch and a half casters with two and a half inch hospital grade rubber casters i can roll that thing down a street now it's like <laughs> it's, good casters are worth the money uh, yeah and of course you know with all the, the, the accessories you need yes there are many will, things it'll be below five thousand, but not, not far not by much <laughs> yeah not by much and we can get you that the the fan controller so that you, you, your your big green a can have an ip address yeah, yes. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. I'll look you up. I know the guys. <laughs> the fan controller keeps the temperature constant, constant. doesn't it? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because the big challenge when you're running charcoal, especially when you want to oh, smoke, yeah. is it wants to be too hot at the beginning and it loses heat fast. And so you're constantly, you know, playing with that airflow. Right. But if you plug a fan over that bottom vent and then throw the sensors in there, mm. then it's actually just giving it just enough air to keep the temperature steady. And then over time, as it burns down, it's feeding a little more air, a little more air to keep the temperature even. And you can watch and see, oh, it's time to throw some more charcoal on it'll, here. Well, better, you know, with the good ones, I actually have the remote control so that I can go to bed and it'll set off an alarm when it's having trouble keeping the temperature up so I can actually get out there. <laughs> That's and some serious well. geekery right there. Man. Oh, sure. but wait. There's more. It has four <laughs> sensors on it that's continuously streamed data. I have a big green aid that makes spreadsheets for me. So, wow. Richard, what would you buy with your $5,000? Nothing, because I already got all that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. Hey, do you guys want to work through a scenario with me? We, we just came out of a humanitarian toolbox codathon here at NDC, and Identity Server came up as a serious talking point. Uh, the Already Project, which is the one we've been working with in the Red Cross, is about to go V1. And so it's going to be running in the cloud. We're going to run it in Azure. We're working with Microsoft Philanthropies on it. And the, the, right away, we're looking at, we're going to end up being multi-tenants, right? There's going to be different organizations that want to use this app. We've got some solutions on the back end for data. But uh, immediately, the identity element became a big deal. People want to use existing logins. The, there's the internal folks that want to have real accounts but then they also want to have volunteer accounts that are isolated from that and it, it, the longer we talk through the scenarios the more i thought i really got to talk to dom and brock <laughs> it's 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 because it's that double end you know we've had this conversation a bunch of times now about it's the bo it's both sides of different sources for identity different sets of rules for for claims yeah. Right. Well, multi-tenancy is tricky because it means different things to different people. True. Right? So for your scenario, what does that mean? Uh, that there are going to be different organizations that want to use the application. They don't want to see each other's data, and they want only their identities to access their data. Okay, yeah. sure. That, but That's so the, the easy one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, so What's the hard one? <laughs> Just not to digress immediately, but... that. The hard one is like when you even want to have like uh, multiple logical instances right. of identity server so that it looks different to different people and it has different metadata it, it exposes. Mm. And so to talk through your problem, I think um, the first issue you have is you're going to have to support multiple sources of identity. 
Right. So you, you uh, probably have, you, you mentioned that, that the Red Cross accounts, for example. Yeah, they might want to come in using their existing accounts. Then right. you might have your, the, 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 the organizations, they might have an existing identity management solution. Where, Almost certainly. Yeah. So somehow we have to federate with so, that. So exactly. So, so you need a piece that can talk to all of them. Right. That's identity server. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> and then you basically, um, um, and then and now there are multiple approaches to, to tell identity server which one to use. So you, you know, you might have a general login screen which gives people a choice. Maybe, you know, if you don't know which, to which specific tenant they're logging in. Right. You might want to give them just maybe, maybe you have the concept of your own accounts. Yeah. Maybe you have to, maybe you like Google or Facebook. Right. right. But, but you can also write the application in a way if you know organization one is using the application, it gives identity server a hint. And it then goes straight to there. Right. Let's, let's, go, let's go that way. And, and Carl sort of poked at this, this idea uh, that you could easily end up with multiple routes to log into a given app that all really point to you, right? Like you, maybe you used your Red Cross ID, but then you've also used your Facebook ID. Right. We're able to connect those things together somehow. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, this is the account linking that Dominic was talking yeah. about, right? So you ultimately your applications think of, the user it's it's the application's user mm -hmm. right? it's not necessarily a google user it's not necessarily you know yeah so some other third-party federated right. but it's, so source. It's, your application has the notion of the user right so really what identity server is helping you broker just identifying that user so right. they could come yeah. in from different means yeah, they yeah. could use a password or they could pick click the button to go out to the other red cross login right. whatever that means so it's really just juggling um the identification piece and then the result of that is going to give you then your user. Right. So your on top of that, do your tenants have, for lack of a better word, do they have multi their own domains? In other words, the Red Cross wants to have an identity.redcross.org. Yeah. And, you know, these guys. So wanna, absolutely. And they, they all point to the same server, right? But then you can see who, who's accessing it by the domain. So the, the, the question is, do they really want that? Yeah. Like, or, they? Or, or will there be a login. Dot uh, 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 humanitariantoolbox.com, right? Yeah. Right, and that will just be the one entry point. But depending on which hints you pass into that thing, it it will behave differently. Yeah. Or do they really want to have their own login server for each mm. organization? I don't think that's I don't typically. Actually yeah, actually it's do. kind of a behind the scenes thing, anyway. And it, well, I'm just thinking through. it's only for 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 the vanity URL, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Um, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, uh, main point, I guess, is. Um, you can build whatever complicated user management application, right? So you can link accounts together. You can try to automatically infer from the email address, yeah. whatever. Um, identity server really is just the, the, the piece that you add to that application that gives you the protocol front ends, right? Right. So, so that so now that applications can start talking to it using a standard protocol. Yeah. Right. And the, 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 the outcome, however complex your process is, the outcome will be that your application will get a, a user identity and it doesn't need to know anything about how that happened. Right. right. Yeah. The, that, that abstraction to me seems very wise. I don't want to write a lot of that code, uh, but, and I want to be able to answer these questions. I think there's going to be an IT challenge just in having a conversation with an organization like the Red Cross say, how are we going to federate with you? Sure. What does that actually look like? I mean, I presume a lot of that's active directory in like ADFS. Okay. Yeah. How do, you, how do you open that up? So ADFS is a pretty common thing that um, you know Microsoft 
minded companies are using it. Yeah. So the ADFS. You wouldn't is, use it if you're not already gone down that path. You're already using Active, Active Directory Federation. Federation service. Service. So the, the yeah. idea is, yeah, yeah um, that you traditionally you had Active Directory, which was an intranet thing. Yep. Then you added ADFS to it, which basically gives AD, that, that's the way I like to think about it, a, a WS Federation protocol head yes yeah, yeah. The, and and a uh, and a non-kerberos way to talk to ad yeah <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a it's a an exposure of an access point right it. but but adfs is still an internet thing so yeah. now that there, there's a thing called the it used to be called the adfs proxy it's now called the web application proxy and that's the thing you put into your dmc mm -hmm. so now when you're from outside the organization and you want to log in you basically talk to the ADFS proxy, this thing talks to ADFS internally, right? and then goes all the way back, and that's how you enable people to log in with their domain account while they're on the mm. internet. Right. And if a big organization like that is not already running that infrastructure, they're not going to run it to work with us. Like I, I think that this would break down pretty quickly in that conversation. It's like, you're going to talk to your IT about doing this just to get to access, just to be able to use those accounts for that app. Well, the, the other approach that Microsoft is trying to push actually people more into into recently or not or not recently is just go use Azure Active Directory, right? Um, which you can use in two modes. One is you have ADFS, and then Azure AD federates with your ADFS, right? Which is the more sane solution, I think. The other one is just duplicate the passwords into the cloud. Uh, uh. <laughs> What's appealing about the Azure Active Directory solution, even with ADFS or especially with ADFS, is uh, you're no longer asking the organization to trust you, you're asking them to trust Microsoft, really, to, mm. to connect to, to Azure Active Directory as the proxy. Well, the way I see it is Azure AD is just an extension of your local AD into the cloud. Right. That's all it is. That's uh, all it is. And it's, it's really optimized for employees. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't really work well with your social logins. No, or and your I think whatever. this is it, part it, of their concern, too. It's like, yeah, for our staff, we'd like to have logins that work that way. But for all the volunteers, that, that should be completely separate. Exactly. And I, I got to think that this is another strength of uh, identity servers. Like, now it's easy for us to have, if you want to use Google ID or anything like that. But if we do want to use username and password, I mean, what's the right way working with identity server to, to handle those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... Uh, when you're setting up your identity server, I actually like Dominic's analogy of ADFS was sort of the protocol piece you added on to AD. Right. So if you have your existing application with your different ways of logging in, mm. identity server is just going to add that uh, OpenID Connect protocol yeah, bit right. on top of that. Mm -hmm. right. So at the end of the day, it's still you know your application with all your rules about how the user is going to you know, decide to log in. Sure. So you still have to sort that problem out. Right, right, yeah. And what is the preferred, you know, simple username, password store to use if there's no other backend service to use? Right. In the past, um, Microsoft had some offerings, right? The old membership, membership provider. Yeah. Um, that had some issues. And yes. that's actually why I built Membership Reboot a long time oh, ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it basically was trying to fix some of those problems. Right. What um, were some of those problems? Yeah, they're way they stored passwords. Hashing was, and salting yeah, and all that. Yeah, all that stuff was not yeah. very uh, modern, shall we say. Yeah. Um, well, it got, it got less secure over time yeah. because people figured out how to hack. Well, but the, also even just the... Um, so when you're doing the, the password storage in the database, you do this this iterative hashing, right? Yeah. You hash multiple times. Right. And so they only picked a, they picked a small number. Yeah. Right? And so over time, computers get more powerful so right. they can brute force that, through that stuff faster. Yeah, sure. and, and, and again, the, the, the bad guys are smart and they're yeah. coming up with even more more clever ways of, you know, GPUs and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, long story short, um, we complained a lot to Microsoft and they finally kind of 
listened a bit, and uh, now their ASP.NET uh, identity uh, is actually a decent a decent uh, hmm. answer. And is that question. what they call it, ASP.NET Identity, or is uh, it still membership? No, no, no. So now it's called ASP.NET Identity which 3. Is a, which is a confusing name, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, it's basically the database layer on top of your users. Yeah. 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 So and, and so that's actually, so Membership Reboot is sort of, uh, uh, it's sunsetted, right? right. I'm, I'm okay. not going to be maintaining it yeah, anymore. Yeah, okay. um, because Microsoft's offering is is actually sufficient at this good. point. Yeah. It's good, good enough. And I mean, and it's been around, Identity's been around for a couple of years now. Yep, yep. So they actually, um, you know, I actually talked to them quite a bit when they were very first uh, developing it. And cool. I, I gave them a lot of feedback. And mm. um, it didn't all get in there right away, but over time. So this third mm. version, I think, is is finally done it's the good job. Enough. This yeah. is the tool you should Version use. three. Yep. And it, yeah, if, if, if you are Greenfield. <laughs> that's true. If, if you have the luxury of starting of fresh. getting the pick. And that's one of the things, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about this right now because we're about to go live and right. thinking we can make some smart decisions now yep. that'll mm. make our lives easier. And I did absolutely think in terms of a certain certain number of organizations that just go to go separate usernames and passwords and people don't want to use like their Google IDs. As it's like anecdotally, yeah. when we were testing this out in the field, Folks were not willing to use their social media IDs because they trusted us less yeah. than they yeah, trusted yeah. the social media. So uh, an interesting point, though, about your requirement needing multi-tenancy, yes. Microsoft's ASP.NET identity doesn't support that. Interesting. No. So, it, and I actually, there was just an issue on GitHub a, a week or two ago where people were, you know, saying, oh, come on, get this, you know, a lot of people need this. Um, and, and I've actually, so the, 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 the happy ending here to the story is that um, it is sufficiently flexible and you can override the right things um to add in multi-tenancy okay but mm. you're gonna have to you, do it you kind of have yeah you, and you also have to know some of the internals to to do it well right um so i just did this actually for a customer i don't know a couple months ago um and you know tweaks here and there but yeah basically we have multi-tenancy right okay and i gotta think given so it, version four or five <laughs> it'll probably appear yeah 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 so that's it's doable it right. is doable that's the that's cool and, uh, and and important and you know the other piece we have we're talking about one particular app but I also had an eye on the fact that odds are the organizations we're working with as we stand up more apps are going to want to not have to have different procedures for logins for each of those yeah. apps. No, you want single sign on. That's and it. You want to have your mobile app and yeah. you know all of all of, all these of things. those <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. This, how is the mobile story affected re, or, or different from just regular desktops when it comes to the logins and stuff? Is it the same? Yes, I mean, so we actually do a talk today about that. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow, <laughs> convenient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, th there are two mindsets, how people build mobile apps. So mm -hmm. the, the, the low-hanging fruit kind of is that, oh, yeah, I'm building a mobile app. Let's have my native login dialogue in the app because that's what I did the last 20 years, right? right. I write an app, I write a login dialogue, yeah? Because mm -hmm. um, I love typing out username and password. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know... If that is like your first party client to your, you, to your own backend and right. that's all you're ever going to do, then it's hard to argue that why shouldn't you do that? Right. Right. Uh, these are your users and your, you store the passwords anyways and all that. But obviously, um, if you have more complex scenarios with third party applications, for example, and, and external logins like Google, Facebook, ADFS, whatever, then typically no one will want to type in your, his Google password into your application, right? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or his domain account yes. password. Yeah? yeah. So that approach won't cut it anymore. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 that actually the recommended approach is is that from within your mobile native application you're launching a browser mm. right and yep. that points to your 
login page, yeah, right, yeah. where all of your logic is already implemented. Mm -hmm. All of your account linking yeah. is working there. All of your two-factor authentication yes. and your your trust relationships to your ADFS and yeah, whatnot. You don't deal with that. And, and why would you ever re-implement that again? Yeah? Sure. Right. And then you basically open the browser, and there, there are there's there, there were some recommendations about uh, good and not so good browsers. Mm. So you see many applications, they use something called a web view, which is an embedded browser right. inside the application, which drives me mad, which is like <laughs> the worst user experience ever. So yeah, and, right? and the interesting thing, though, is chances are you guys have actually already used that, right? Oh, yeah. In Visual Studio. Right. Yeah, all, you signed all, into your all, all signed of, individual studio. All of the, yeah. the, the the mobile office applications do that as all well. Use it's, web it's awful. And why why is it awful? Is well, a you don't know if this is really a web page, right? I mean, right. It's it's something that looks like the the, the login page from Microsoft or from Google, right? Mm. But yeah. no one can tell you if this is not just a clever owner drawn thing, right? right? Yeah. Um, you don't see the URL. You can't ins inspect the certificate, mm. right? Um, you you don't have support for like your add-ins, like password managers, right? right? Wouldn't it be great if that would just fill in the password yeah. for you? Now yeah. you have to, you know, type your thirty-eight character password, or you know, in in the cold pass. at the train station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, all these things. Yeah, so that is an anti-pattern now, right? So um, modern like iOS and Android and um so they they have now what they call uh, what is called an in-app browser tab and think of it as you're opening a tab of the system browser inside your application okay. right so it's the safari it's system safari it's system or it's chrome system or, chrome or, yeah. mm. uh, which has all your cookies already so if you're logged into Google in your browser click boom you gone. get single sign on yeah. right you see the you see the address bar. You see the certificate. Yeah, you have support for your add-ins. Yeah, so uh, one password in my case, I just click the one password. I can unlock my vault with my fingerprint, and it just types in my Does password. Does the login yeah. for yeah. you? Yeah, and uh, and you also you know your policies around your your browser rights are being followed. Like you have all of that protection and coherence. So and on iOS, uh, which is a nice feature, I think, is that there's a button where you can switch from that in-app browser tab to the real Safari. So if you're extra paranoid, right, right, <laughs> you click that button and you make sure you are actually in my standard browser. And you nice. know the, the the standard browser on your machine is probably already the most trusted piece of software sure. you have, right? Yeah. You, you 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 type in your passwords there. You type in your credit cards. Yeah. You never mm -hmm. lie to yourself. Search engine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, can't lie; it's just not going to be happy with the result. So, but, yeah, and so you're right. That, you're right to say that. But how many people actually think about the fact of how much they trust the browser? They yeah. don't think about trusting no. the browser; they think about trusting the site. How many people think about any of this stuff? Yeah, really? users true. they just don't. So yeah, so to to answer your question, the, you would do it exactly like if you are in the browser, you're right. launching a browser. <laughs> so yeah. how do I get the token back? As a, as you finish that mm -hmm. login procedure, how do you get back to the app? So that there, there, there's a it depends on the operating system sure. first of all yeah um, for uh, for mobile for iOS Android there's a clever feature where basically when you install the app you can register your own custom URL scheme right so basically you can say something like uh, my app colon slash slash callback right right and that gets registered with the OS so now the last step the browser is doing is it's re uh, redirecting back to this URL to the special mm. yeah, yes, URL. and then the the, the the operating system kicks in and basically calls back to in your application and just passes the whole query string back right. to your application. You pass that, 
And that's how they do the inter-process communication. Right. And the browser instance basically goes away. You now have that string to work with to, inside the app, make the call, confirm the token. Okay, we're with that. You know, just exactly. during it that, feels clunky. During that last sentence, I was going to say that. You know, it, my first reaction to that was, oh, man, that's kludgy. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, well, they haven't seen Windows programming in a few years either, <laughs> right? I mean. But the, the reason to jump through that hoop is, like you said, so you don't recreate the code. Yeah. So that you can use security approaches that the user is the most familiar with, that he's in the browser, has all those things, has his last pass or his one pass, whatever that may be, and then he end gets back into the app. It's as good a solution as you're going to get for something you can actually trust. Yes, and as I said, you you get the shared authentication session yes. be between applications. Even I mean, there's there's this this story about I think it was United Airlines or something, which you know they they got a consultant in and they said, hey, you have to break down your monolith. So they broke down their monolith into seventeen different apps, right? right? So and they all had their own login screen. Now you have yeah, a single so sign-in. So, so now now <laughs> the, the the pilot or the stewardess, you know, like somewhere in South America, needs to check where's the plane and all these things and it, it was spread out over five apps right so they had to log in five times a day just to get oh, get, get you know all the, the information together to, to do this one job yeah and you know having the browser the system browser as the the holder of the shared authentication session yeah right uh you can take advantage of that yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a it's the better solution actually it becomes the pivot point for all this one thing i was really impressed with in in watching your talk is just how quickly you were able to configure identity server and set it up to be really working. Sure. And if you cut out all the talk, you're talking five, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, your explanation was longer than the execution. Right. Yeah. That's right, awesome. Right. So yeah, I mean, the, again, that's part of the design is uh, we want to, you know, be able to get the protocol stuff up and running, and uh, you know, plug in your database of users, whatever that is. I yeah. Mean, to be honest, that's actually most of the work when you're building identity server is not the identity server piece. It's all of your custom right. uh, code around the Google linking and right, right. login and whatever your, whatever your registration and all that is. Yeah. So, Configuration yeah. side of all of that. Yeah. So it's the mental model. That's, that's, sure. that's the time it has to understand, you know, how does this really fit in? So right. Well, you've got a winning piece of software here. What's next? What can you possibly do to... What will happen in 2017? To, to, to up it. What's next? Yeah, well, I think we have some ideas on uh, kind of what happens next. Um, so Brock mentioned earlier that identity server is not a permission server, right? Yeah. yeah, and we see people often misusing it as that. Yeah, and we for a long time we said like, yeah, just don't do it, do it differently, and we were sitting on that problem for a really, really long time because <sighs> you're going to give in, aren't you? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know. We, we, in authentication, you know, uh, at some point you you see the the, the grand scheme, it, 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 like in the Matrix, you know, when you suddenly make sense of the green stuff. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Blonde, brunette, blonde, <laughs> yeah, red. So, yeah. so so in, in authentication, when when you when you do that for a long enough time, you say, okay, that's a scenario, that's a recipe, how you solve the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for authorization of permissions, we didn't have that because we saw so so many approaches to solving the same problem. Sure. Yeah. So I think we are finally at a point that we we have an idea how we could tackle the permission and authorization problem in the same developer-friendly way nice. as we did it with 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 authentication. Yeah. I mean, at the minimum, by doing this, you'll have them stop abusing the authorization part for, for, for permissions. Yeah, I mean, th th there are a couple of parts to it. We, yeah. we, we, we ev eventualized with Identity Server a certain architecture. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to eventualize that even further to 
to teach people to separate the two pieces again. Yes, I mean, yeah. there's a reason why it's called authentication and authorization. Yes, and actually, yeah. I, I got asked by a guy just a couple of days ago who has no security background, yeah, but is a DDD guy. He said, right. like, yeah. do you really think the distinction is, is important, like between authentication uh -huh. and authorization? What? And I said, like, do you think in CQRS the, the, the distinction between C and Q is important? <laughs> <laughs> is it, oh, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and that's where we ought to leave this, that is awesome. <laughs> That's great. On Guys, that bombshell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, and keep us up to date on what happens with uh, Identity Server. Yeah, thanks for the insight for HD Box, because we'll clearly be uh, going down this path. Yeah. Thank you again, Brock, Damien. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a